Today we have Paulette Livers reading from a novel in progress, Bright Sanctuary. They did not lock the house behind them. It was empty, and besides, it did not belong to them. From the road below came the phlegmy rumble of the bus engine. Philip thought of Uncle Waite, who suffered the coal miners' consumption, day and night expelling black gunk into a spittoon. He did not mention this to Evangeline, whose sour stomach already bowed ill for the trip north. She'd woken up retching. Last thing she needed was the vision of an old man's catar. Surely she was happy about getting out. Scared some, too. He was. They were not the sort to be struck by wanderlust. They passed between rows of darkened houses, some still holding sleeping families, three out of four empty. Underfoot the slush of last year's leaves, rain-sogged and not yet married with the forest soil. The track branched in a stand of hickories, took them down to the river and the road where the bus waited to take them north. Machines made short work of deep mining these days. Men like Philip were one day working and sitting on their thumbs the next. He'd tried on rage, hollered and cheered at meetings where UMW bosses whipped everybody up. Philip never found the relief all the hollering seemed to bring the others. Evangeline would sit next to him listening hard to the speakers. Come time for singing, she stood and led songs about resistance and justice. All those unlovely voices, made magnificent by their fervency, might have burned the very paint off the walls, while Philip shrank into the slats of the folding chair, hoping no one noticed the effort it took to keep his big self upright. It was as if he'd sprung a leak, the invisible stuff of him seeping through cracks in the floor. His wife boarded the bus ahead of him. She did not look back at their mountain, where their people had shot roots into earth more rock than soil. Philip did. A single curb in the road, and their town disappeared. Evangeline took the, seat, the empty seat across the aisle from travelers who failed to so much as nod, which made them no better than strangers. This bus stank with the overnight musk of closeness and poor sleep. Might as well get used to it, she wanted to tell Philip, the place we're going. Strangers and nothing but, all around as far as you can see. She did not dare to speak, not with him one big nerve. His own mother had warned Evangeline before they married, nerves turn him blathery. She loved him, sure, everybody loved Philip Joyce. But there were times her husband got so merry a person had to grip one hand with the other to keep from hitting him. No, let him clutch his bundle of biscuits. The merest glance from her and he would start up, and she risked blurting it out. If she could get to Chicago without letting on, she would take care of it. Because five of them all carried to term all but one ending with a lifeless blue thing slipping from between her legs, cloudy-eyed as a plucked chicken. The last, their perfect boy, had delighted them with a beating heart. For six days she and Philip orbited the tiny stranger, watched the rise and fall of his chest, hardly daring to speak. 
six days of terrified joy they were given, for which a so-called merciful God exacted a steep price. They had not said so to one another, but going north was not so much a move toward something, a second chance, a better life, as it was away from this brood of ghost children. Her husband craned around now to watch the old place vanish. Why witness home being swallowed by fog and miles of road? Why should she not just this once be spared? Evangeline stared into the highway opening ahead of them. In Chicago, she would end that cold procession. This piece that I read actually is a backstory for my uh, protagonist mm -hmm. um, because this is set in like the the early 19 yeah early 1960s mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and the the novel bright sanctuary that I'm working on is actually set in contemporary times 2012 so as I was working on the novel I realized I didn't understand a lot of why my protagonist was behaving the way that she was behaving mm -hmm. and so I felt like I needed to write a piece of backstory for her mm -hmm. for myself to mm -hmm. understand her better and so I figured out that her her parents were part of the great migration of uh, people from coal mining mm -hmm. country in Appalachia that, that moved north in the 50s 60s mm -hmm. um, because coal mining you know the uh, machines mm -hmm. were able to do more efficiently yeah. uh, and, and just put a lot of people out of work and so a lot of people moved uh, north mm -hmm. to Chicago, mm -hmm. Cleveland, mm -hmm. Detroit and um, uh, that's who her parents were so that's mm -hmm. that's the people that she came from and getting to know something about mm -hmm. her mother and father really helped me understand uh, my protagonist's motivations. So even if this part never goes into the novel, mm -hmm. it has helped me immensely to write this backstory.